Oh, yeah, I'm Daniel Lucas, and welcome to Food 101. Food, 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 people. Let's talk about food. And today, I have my special guest. He's my co-host on Book 101 Review. He's an award-winning author. He's the author of several books. No other than Mr. Chris Tetrablay. Hello, hello. Welcome to Food 101, Mr. Chris. Thank you very much. Thank you for allowing me into the uh, another side of your empire yes. so we can yeah delve into this is yeah this is going to be good this is going to be good thanks for having me yes people listening on my food 101 i'm introducing you uh krista Trouble will be my officially co-host on my book 101 review we're gonna talk about well lots of things <laughs> yeah 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 can't can't wait to uh can't wait to get started, really. And, and for, for those who already listening to Book 101 and have been, um, I don't know, probably painfully listening to me talk so much about my own books for the last kind of five episodes, it would be uh, it would be really, really good to kind of delve into other other yes. things, you know. As I told you here on uh, my third season, the beginning of my third season, I told you that this podcast will be bigger better and bolder doing that too on book 101 review yeah we are can't wait so mr chris let's talk about your favorite cuisine yeah yeah i um i i I will say sort of from the off i'm I'm quite an easily i'm not going to say like i'm easily pleased you know and i'll eat absolutely everything but i i'm very much the eater in our household my 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 good wife is definitely the cook um she does some she does does some you know fantastic things she makes me very envious of what she can come up with on the spot um it's probably a testament to how not very good i am in that she she purposely stops me cooking sometimes (laughs) (laughs) i think she she would prefer that i did my bit really and stayed away so but yeah yeah um I, I, I don't nail myself down to a particular cuisine or anything to be fair, but there are, there are a few things in particular that, you know, given the option, if I, if I get my pick say of a, you know, Saturday night meal or something, there are, there are a few staples that I do fall back on. I will say. Yes. Uh, one of your reviews in your uh, book necessary and they uh, describe your uh, book as deliciously dark (laughs) (laughs) so so if you compare to a dish which deliciously dark you want to compare Mm. your book okay right again from the off i i've got a massively sweet tooth so um you know i'm i'm always someone who is who's looking I'll enjoy my mains, but I'm always looking to to what's on the dessert menu, to be fair. So deliciously dark immediately makes me think of, firstly, chocolate. That's my biggest downfall, dark chocolate. Um, Black Forest Gatto, I would say, deliciously dark. That is, you know, it's got the dark flavours in there of the the, the, the cherries, the, the chocolate cake, and, you know, and and, and it's... Uh, it's decadent as well you know it's it's full of good stuff but it's probably bad for you as well so, <laughs> so let's let's go with that let's go with that something you can yeah. enjoy that makes you kind of feel you know so good it's bad kind of thing let's go with that yes 
Very well said. So do you have a specific dish that you like cooking it? That I like cooking it? So, um... Or, or dessert that you want to, uh, you so know... I, I say sort of in terms of my own my own cooking kind of experience, which is, is a bit more limited, I suppose. The one thing I did try my hand at and I did successfully do going back some years now is I could make a mean cheesecake, a mean chocolate cheesecake. Um, it's probably people listening to this who have got a lot more kind of ability at this kind of thing than I do may think this is it's quite a simple thing, but that's kind of what I need when I'm cooking. I need it to be simple and easy to follow. But I yeah, no, I, I enjoyed doing that. My my mother-in-law um actually constructed it was one of the first times I had like a whole recipe kind of constructed in the most simplest form and numbered steps so that I could follow it because she knew I wasn't really adept in the um but I enjoyed doing that. Again, it's a sweet thing, you know, getting my hands into you know melting chocolate and mascarpone and crushing biscuits and stuff and and being able to enjoy it at the end that's that's yeah that's that's as far as my own kind of um my own experience and what i'm allowed to do i would say yes. in the kitchen yes. yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you're good in dessert <laughs> i think so yeah i mean I, i i do often i'm the only one stopping myself from trying more i think it's laziness with me because my wife is so good mm -hmm. and, and again her mum as well is so good in in, in the kitchen that i I get a bit spoiled and um, I kind of just fall back on, on what they make for me rather than me kind of trying new things myself. But there's definitely, if I, if I was to get more involved, it would definitely be on the dessert front for sure. So when you're writing your book, is it food is one of your inspiration to write? Food itself, probably not hunger. I would say <laughs> is, <laughs> is a good driver. Maybe I thinking about when I, when I write or when I was writing my first three books i was writing them on my lunch break at work so i had my dedicated hour a day and i would go to my car so away from the office and i would sit there with my laptop and i would have my lunch while i was um uh while i was writing that probably the only time it's been really that's inspired anything is is in acolyte there's a character i I developed in that story called Thomas Lang and he is very much based on me except for the fact that he was a police officer I think his stage of life in that book was very much where I was you know it was it was in a bit of a mundane job uh, he wanted more but he would escape he would use his lunch breaks to escape and sort of take a break from from everything that was getting him down he would sit in his car he would fall asleep he would have his lunch and that's exactly what I did you know aside from being able to write as the same thing you know right at the same time so and i actually wrote a scene in there where it was pretty much what i was doing that day so you know having your packed lunch your simple sandwiches you know bag of crisp chocolate bar whatever i had going on at the time i wrote it into that scene just to make it as realistic as i could um but i i think when i write i it, i'm an emotional eater so if i if i'm bored if I'm stressed, um, when I was writing, if I was had a bit of a tough spot and I, I you know, I, I had a bit of writer's block, I didn't really know what I was doing. I would sit and I would grab something to eat. Yes. Most, it's normally something sweet or something to kind of get my energy levels going again. Um, but yeah, that's probably, that's probably as far as it's come to inspiring me, probably driving me and giving me the, the energy to write. <laughs> in a way. Yes. So what's your favorite main course? 
he figured to the rest oh, okay. usefully order. I there's a couple of things that I again given the choice at home if it if it's my choice to pick the meal you know at the weekend I either go for enchiladas because my my wife does an absolutely mean enchilada um, or I'm a very big steak lover so if I go out if if we actually you know those rare occasions where we go out for a meal yes um, we'll most pro- I will most probably have a steak um, it's really simple but it's like I'm I'm very much a meat eater. Uh, I don't think there's much meat out there that I haven't tried that I've not liked. Um, so, so anywhere that I can get, you know, the biggest juiciest steak I can. I have it blue as well, which which surprises a lot of people. Um, wow! I, I don't. I, yeah, I, I I started going rare because I thought I thought it was impressive. My wife, when we started going out and having these kind of meals, I think she she gave me the impression it was quite impressive and quite almost refined to have a rare steak. Um, and I was at a, a friend's wedding. They had quite a rustic wedding ceremony outside, and they had basically two halves of a cow up over a fire. Um, this was the, the the meal, and they were cooking it all through the day, and it smelled amazing. Yes. And I went up to get my portion, and, and the guy serving said, "You know, what do you want?" I said, "I love a bit of everything." And he gave me a big chunk which was blue. And I tell you what, I never tasted anything like it in my life <laughs> and so since that i've been a convert and i've been like you know what, i i'm gonna ask for this wherever I, it's almost like a challenge i'll find a restaurant that serves steak blue because a lot of them over here don't seem to want to do it yes it's um yeah there you go blue blue steak or enchiladas that'd be awesome so what's your favorite soup my favorite soup um i'm not a soup person at all to be honest with you so you you go uh to the starter uh, immediately <laughs> pretty much yeah I t- to be honest with you i don't i have never really gone to many places that that have, have had that me- that you know that that almost much choice on the, on, on the courses to be fair i've been to you know weddings and, and ceremonies like that where it has been on the menu you know you start with with uh soup and that and i i don't know potato and leek something really quite like winter veg winter vegetable based I do yeah. quite like in a soup with big chunky bread and stuff like that. Um, by choice at home, I don't tend to have them. Um, don't know why. I think it's one of those things. It's almost like a texture thing with me. I need something. I, 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 I don't know. Being a kind of carnivore that I am, I need something which has some substance to it. I never really, I never really sort of got on with soup all that well. But there we go. So if if you had something, yeah, win, something wintry this time of year, yeah, definitely sort of p- potato and leek. I think yeah, that'd be be awesome so what is your memorable experience about food having a lot of it i think that's the that's the main thing um um memorable experience i th- i guess i mean the, the the things that i always go back to is when i was growing up my mum um she worked a lot um when my sister in age we were um we were sort of left in the house, you know, together to fend for ourselves. So it was either, you know, things we did in the microwave or something that was quick and easy. I I almost, that was the first time I had the freedom of having what I want. Actually, no. So go forward a couple of, a couple of years past that when I actually had money of my own and I could actually go to places, you know, I was going out to college or, or to work. I actually had the, the option of going and buying my own lunch i suppose and i could actually go into pubs and have like a pub lunch or something like that i think that, that had the fondest memories for me because it's like suddenly i've not got anyone dictating to me where i've got to go what i've got to have and i just 
you know, sitting down in a place and, and being given a menu of all this choice, you know, money being the only option. Um, I think my my best, my fondest memories, I mean, the good, you ask anyone over here in, in the UK and, uh, you know, roast dinner, Sunday roast dinner will will be high on their list of, of, of traditions almost. Uh, you know, every Sunday, if you're lucky, you, you pile around as a family and you have a roast dinner. My nan, my yes. nan's roast dinner was that always takes me back because we were always every weekend we'd go over to my nan's and she'd 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 do a full roast dinner and it would be, you know, it'd be myself, my nan, my granddad, my sister, my dad's, you know, aunts and uncles, whatever, if they were around. It was a big family occasion, and I I think I still where we can't have that, you know, because you know we can't get all the family together all the time or, or we haven't got simply haven't got the time to have things like that every week i do miss it you know i think they you know that was to me it wasn't just about the food it was about the family thing but yeah my nan's roast dinner was top notch it's amazing yes it's tradition tradition that is it yeah. yeah it's the same with christmas you know it's the one thing aside from everything else that comes with christmas you've got to be honest you know the christmas dinner is 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 the height of the you know it's the pinnacle of the year it's it's what they say over here that you everyone trains for 51 weeks of the year to get the perfect roast dinner for christmas <laughs> yes <laughs> that's true so people listening in food 101 that is mr screech touchably on the food side <laughs> yes yes so let's think about your Voldemort mm. apocalypse trilogy so yes. let's do summarize those three books so that my listeners at Food 101, they can understand what we're talking about. Ooh, okay, I'll do my best because this isn't always... As, as Typically as a writer, the one thing I do really badly is talk about my own stuff and be able to sell my own stuff. So the Wildermore Apocalypse trilogy, um, uh, it was the first... The, basically, it's the, it's the first... It's where my writing journey started. So I, I had an idea that came from my fascination with the... Um, the prophecy that the world was going to end in in 2012 specifically 21st of december 2012 if you uh, if, if anyone's familiar with the mayan prophecy around that time um so i, I you know this, this day this inevitable date came and went with no great fanfare and i decided you know obviously hasn't happened to the world because everyone's still here carrying on as we were doing the day before um but it, it got my my mind thinking you know what if the end of the world had started, but it's not just going to be like one event which sees us all off in one go. What if some, if the end of the world had actually started, but it starts somewhere very remote that nobody is even aware of at the time and, and something that happens there has a knock-on effect, which eventually could lead to, you know, worldwide disaster. It's, it's a very uplifting <laughs> thought to have. Um, so the, the, the story starts with Acolyte um, and it, it's told over two time periods really so the the main event the the sort of climax happens in 2012 so i try to um it, it's it's all what happens in 2012 is is because of something dark that happened some dark ritual that actually was carried out in the late 1600s that's been bubbling away um literally below this moorland community called wildermore very very remote sort of society and over that sort of course of three, four hundred years, it's sort of this evil has been waiting and it's it's been waiting for its chance to come come forward, grow in power and and unleash whatever whatever evil that it's there to do. 
um, which happens in 2012. And, and my idea was I'm going to tell both halves of the story at the same time. So in each of the books, particularly in the first two, um, Acolyte and the Sewing Season, you get you get me moving this, explaining what is happening in, in present day, but also why that is happening. It's linked to what happened in the late 1600s. And you, you get to the um, the final part of Gods and Insects where it all comes to a head and it, it, you you live out those final days in Wildermore in 2012. Uh, and you see characters grow through the three books. You see characters that you love not make it to the end. And you've got ones that you you are just hoping get their comeuppance, but also you, you, you've you got the heroes you're pulling for. So it's got everything, really. It's It's got suspense. It's got... You know, it's it's a bit of gore. It's 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 dark. It's, it's horror at the end of the day. But um, I've I've tried to make it compelling. You know, suspense, a bit of intrigue. You know, a bit of mystery in there. You know, everything that was inspiring me at the time. Really, it's a bit of a mis- bit of melting pot of everything that that you know I enjoyed reading and watching. I think up to that point. Yes, if you are interested to read them. One of the comments of Mr. Chris Books, it will hunt you with the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> I might put that on my tombstone, actually, to be honest with you. Yes. I like that one. That's cool. There you go. And one of the uh, comments, too, deliciously dark. <laughs> <laughs> Links very nicely to why we're here today. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. My, my, my readers are too kind, really. But I, yeah, thank you guys for anyone who makes a comment like that it does you know it does inspire me you know it does make me realize that you know whereas i might not sell thousands of thousands of copies there's people out there who who pick them up and and they do enjoy them and it's it's it you know speaks to someone out there at least yes before we go on mr grace i want to shout out those people listening in india i'm number 34 on apple podcast Sri Lanka, number 11, Taiwan, uh, number 34, Turkey, at 22 spot, Great Britain, thank you so much, 132, Canada, at number 26, Philippines, at 30, and Jordan, at 33 spot. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. Also, aside from Wildemore Apocalypse Trilogy, Mr. Chris had the uh, children's books. Yes. So, would you like to talk about it, Mr. Chris? Yeah, Candy. Yeah, yeah. So I've got two. Um, the, the, the funny thing, people, the one thing people find funny when they delve into my um, my books is I've gone to two completely separate ends of the scale. It's, it's, it's not by chance. There is a reason for it. Um, one thing I always wanted to do when I started writing is I wanted to to be able to write a children's book. Really, for my my kids, I've got twin. Um, they're nearly nine in in April. But I I started writing my horror stuff when I I knew that they were that they were um, when I knew my wife was pregnant. So they've been a source of inspiration indirectly or directly to me. And I I wanted to write children's books for them that they would enjoy as much as the ones that we were buying and reading to them so i um if you've got anyone listening out there who's got um children between the ages of about two and six uh who enjoy uh picture books rhyming picture books and and you yourselves like reading them as the parents um you'll find my uh my two books it, it's a long way to the moon and it's a long night for santa uh they both involve my 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 cute main character simply called the little brown moth. He is exactly as the name suggests. 
and um, they're, they're intended as you know they're great bedtime stories but they could be enjoyed you know anytime you know and i think for any age you know even if you've got older children who like to read to younger siblings or back to you as parents um you know i've heard loads loads of loads of people from across different ages who have enjoyed reading these so uh they're inspired by the likes of Julia Donaldson, if if you're familiar with with stories like The Gruffalo and Room on a Broom and, and and others. So they're 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 rhyming. They you know they've got a nice a nice rhythm, a cute story. Uh, yeah, you know I I'm very very proud of those books really because it kind of showed myself as much as anyone what what else I can do you know and I've I've had some lovely. Uh, some lovely response to them over the last few years and uh you can find them find them both on amazon and it's a long way to the moon is actually available also as an audio book so you know if you or, or your children like to listen to books as well as read them especially at bedtime uh you can pick that one up on audible as well yes let's support mr chris and uh this is a food 101 not book 101 review people okay <laughs> <laughs> but we are promoting our third season uh that coming soon so yeah. please do listen to our book one one review on the third season starting on the second week of february yeah. so, what else you can say about food um what's there not to say what's there not to like really if you like me and uh, i think that there's there's things to be said for for having refined tastes um and only wanting to eat certain things but i think i wouldn't have got very far if i was like one of those things because um, I've relied on food for a lot. You know, I do. It, it helps me get by. It helps me through tough times. It helps me. Uh, it gives me something to look forward to at the end of the day. Um, if anyone meets me and wants to, you know, get on my good side at all or, or show me that you love me, uh, just get me something that could chocolate content in it and you'll be well on your way. So, yes, <laughs> yes. chocolate, chocolate people. Yes. <laughs> I love chocolate too. So uh, it gives you uh, what do you call this? What chemicals the chocolate gives? Happiness. <laughs> yeah, so that's it. Is it endorphins? I think I don't know if I've yes. got my my scientific endorphins. terms. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, it does. And there's, you know, and yes, you have too much of it. Obviously, you know, you can always have too much of it, which which is also bad. Yes. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, it gives you energy or gives me energy. It helps me stay awake if I'm hanging on at the end of the night and I'm being kicked because I'm falling asleep too early during a film. You know, it, <laughs> it, it does reach, reaching for the old chocolate bar and that does help me sort of get through it. So there's a lot to be, a lot to be said for it. Yes. Let's talk about global warming, what's happening today. Do you think that really affect the production of food? Oh, wow. What a question. I not having an expert opinion in this, I would, my answer would be, how could it not at the end of the day? I think it's affecting everything, isn't it? To be honest. So, I mean, the, the more it changes our climate, the, the, yeah, of course it is going to, it's going to affect, you know, how, how food is grown, how it's produced. I used to, you know, sidetracking a little bit. I used to, for a short time, I used to work in the, in the wine industry and I got to learn a lot about the production of wine and, and the, uh, the impact of, weather really and climate on on you know the yield how how many grapes how much wine could be produced in a year but also the quality from one year to another you know if you've had a particularly bad season where it's been you know too wet too cold not only have you got not got enough 
wine produced it's not as good quality as it was sort of the previous year or, or when you had the the perfect condition so yeah absolutely i think in that sense if you're talking about crops and things like that how could it not have an impact very well said mr chris yes global warming really affected us uh, in terms of production especially in north america if they are in in the united states if they are plagued with drought or flood yeah. And even in Mexico, because they are the leading producer of vegetables mm-hmm. and things that we need here in North America. So mm-hmm. people, let's combat global warming because it really affected our people, their economy. And let's do our best to do our share to be part combat climate change. Absolutely. So Mr. Chris invite the people buy your books or read your books uh yeah so if anyone if anyone out there has got access to amazon you can find me on there um there's only one of me luckily i've got a name which isn't um you know it isn't that difficult to find so chris tetrol blay um yeah you can find you find any of my books on amazon at the moment so you know the world of more apocalypse the first two um parts are out there at the moment acolyte in the sewing season you can also find a necessary end which is my more kind of standalone horror anthology i guess you'd call it uh but you can find my children's books on there uh, that, I, that i mentioned before um they're all available in in ebook form my children's books are available in paperback uh, a necessary end and then it's a long way to the moon are available in audio uh form on audible so uh, so yeah you really if you if you've got amazon i, I am kind of branching out i've got um the third part of world of more apocalypse will be coming this year hopefully um that's a big project i've got to actually go and i've got to try and re-release that myself but i'm trying to get them all out as paperback as well um i've recently taken all the books back under my own sort of publishing um uh, company so I'm, I'm trying to sort of get them back out there myself but um yeah if you like something dark deliciously dark yes um <laughs> then you'll find you'll find my horror stuff if you again if you've got if, if you like something a little lighter um you know for, for your little ones you'll find my children's books um it, yeah and if you if you if you like hearing me waffle on about about books you know you can find me the episodes that i've done with your good self over on book 101 and i'm really looking forward to 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 moving moving ahead and and you know um, being able to talk about other books other other writers out there that, that have inspired us or you know you know giving us food for thought nice link <laughs> yes if you want to uh listen to my interview with mr chris tetrablay about the books please do listen book one one review and once again we are inviting you to listen to our third season it's coming this February, my officially calls, Mr. Chris Petrway. Yeah. Cannot wait. And we got a great, great first episode coming up as well. I won't spill the beans too yes. early. But uh, yeah, we got a good one. Uh, can you say to your experience in a book one one review? My my experience, I mean, it's been fantastic, really. You know, I mean, I I had I'd I discovered you through, you know, through a mutual friend, Richard Eyre, because I know he had come along and, and spoken about his books. And I'm, I'm a great fan of his um, and listening to him talk about them. And then I discovered your show and 
and so it's just you know it's it's one of those sources of information that, that is you know once you tap into it you can't really can't really you have to stop and listen and you know what you've done with the show is fantastic and i loved being on it it's the first time i've only done a couple of interviews before i've done a whole podcast a two podcast series of my own where i i delve into the stories behind my my books um but i've i've, I've not really ever sat down and, and talked about them with someone like you know like i did until i spoke to yourself so it was great for me to to reconnect with my own work through that and and you know uh, thank you for giving me the chance to to come on and talk about my work and thank you so much for giving me the chance to kind of work with you going forward you know i'm, re I'm really honored to be part of it yes that'd be awesome because book one one review is in power writers all over mm -hmm. the world like mr chris yeah absolutely thank you mr chris <laughs> thank you daniel as ever more to come people